0: Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining us on episode number 24 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. On this episode, we have the pleasure of welcoming Ellie El Ezra. is a four-time World Series of Poker bracelet winner and has claimed a World Poker Tour title but despite his millions in tournament warnings, he's far better known for being a high stakes cash game player and TV poker personality over the last three plus decades. Away from the felt, Ellie has led a legendary life growing up in Israel and serving in the IDF's Golani Brigade and has had incredible adventures on fishing boats and driving taxis in Alaska before moving to Las Vegas a businessman, a family man, and just plain one of the nicest men in the world. I'm honored and proud to call Ellie my friend. Ellie, welcome to the Cards Chat Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. Thanks for Cards Chat choosing me. Good, it's good to see you again.
0: Um, Well, Ellie, um, you're coming to us from your home in Las Vegas. Um, I know you haven't really left your area so much over the last year. You're being very cautious with the, the pandemic, I imagine that uh, the Bellagio and Aria, that they're missing you as much as you're missing their poker rooms. When do you think more or less you'll, you'll be ready to finally return to the felt?
1: Okay, well, first of all, you're correct. The end of February last year, 2020, I would say the beginning of March, probably the most will be fifth of March was the last time I played Bellagio. And even then I remember that my kids got mad at me and they said, no, you should be because I didn't really pay too much attention for it at the beginning, but it's been almost a year now mm. that uh, I haven't been in any of those places and I haven't played. And six months into the pandemic, I remember a few people ask me, you know, even the flow people from aria and from Bellagio asked me to go And there's games and some people come back. And I said, by the time I'm going to get vaccinated, I will be back. And uh, well, I got good news. I got vaccinated hey, 10 days ago wonderful, <laughs> with Pfizer, and I will be getting my second shot on the 17th on this month. And uh, I believe a week to 10 days later, I will be back on a field. All right. Players
0: beware. The shark is coming. Very nice. <laughs> Very good. Well, you know, you did used to play five or six times a week. I don't think you can manage an entire year, Ellie,
1: without playing. So have you been playing online uh, during this time? Yes, I did. I didn't play any of those WSOP or the GG. I just played some kind of private mixed game that we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's called Kings. And uh, we had, I mean, because it's a mixed game, I loved it. And uh it's not as much. You're right. I used to play during the World Series of Poker, at least the three months, I would say, from May to the summer, end of summer, maybe seven days a week. Oh, wow. So, and the rest of the year, I play five to six days. It's hard. For me, I love watching people. Mm. I love looking in their eyes. And I love the only the interaction of sitting with people and doing everything with players in front of you. Playing online, it's completely different. Of course, from the last time I'd done it was the full tilt until Black Friday. And I did play on full tilt quite a bit. But uh, for me, it was a new one. And I like the idea because our side, the one that we play, you have to play with people you know. Uh-huh. So I'm playing I'm playing under earlier Lesra. And Gus playing under Gus Hanson and Freddie D playing under Freddie. Every one of us playing under his own name. And that's why I love that. It's like I'm sitting in Ballagio. I'm sitting, you know, playing in any place that we just play with the players. And it's huge. Because when I play with the way that we play in old full tilt and stuff, other than the pros, none of us uh, knew who's, who you're playing with. And uh, I don't like it. Right. I mean, I kind of like to feel the player that I'm playing with. Right. Of course, I'm an old school player and I'm a gut feeling player. And it's very hard for me to play pot limit on my, even though we're playing at a cap or the no limit. And not, I mean, to try to feel what the other side, can I bluff him out of the pair? Can I do this? So overall, without this uh, online mix game for me, it would be tough Corona time sure I think that's past my time forgot to tell you I finished Netflix basically <laughs> so <laughs> so that's helped that's helped a lot but uh, yeah I mean I will, I'm will. i so excited about going back I heard they're playing a couple mixed games that I really like with the crazy Mike and with this he got he, he took over basically and we're a few good players to play with JRB and stuff so I'm excited to do it in about two three weeks.
0: Excellent, that's wonderful. I mean, everyone knows that when you play online, the action is much faster than when it's in person. You get many more hands per hour. Has that affected your game at all? The fact, the speed of the, of the
1: play? No, I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I'm playing two screens. So hmm. uh, the, the number one is like what I used to suggest beginning, beginning a poker player, patient. And if you don't have a patient also online, you're going to lose. So it's easy to play. I cannot. I'm old, so I cannot play like some of them playing five, six screen. But I'm playing two screens. And when you play two screens, you're patient enough to wait for the right hand and to do the right things. And then overall, I'm winner during this pandemic. And that's also good to get a little income to, you know, to make your livelihood. For sure.
0: Um, well, you said you've been playing online. You said you finished Netflix. How else are you keeping
1: busy uh, over this last year? I'm basically walk at least five days a week. Sometimes six, three of them with my wife, and the other three with my kids. I do three four miles a day. Wow! And that's that's about an hour walk, hour, a little over an hour. I mean, because I, I haven't gone to Lifetime tonight to my gym. I used to go three or four times a week, and I mm-hmm. haven't done that. And when you are 60 years old, you want to keep being in shape, if not your brain won't functioning. And I need to brain to function, function because I want to play poker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it all goes together. It all goes I together. Mean, so basically, this is the only thing I've done. I mean, we were all day here, all families, so a little a little sport, a little uh, poker, a lot of watching TV, but nothing else. Gotcha! Wow, and I, I did have
0: a, a big move
1: that kept you busy, right? Oh yes, yeah. So we moved uh, in November last year. We got we moved from our old house, which was very big, and we moved to smaller house, right, not far from where we live. And yeah, that's kept us busy. But you know, wifey do everything, right? <laughs> like, uh, everything on the moving. I basically try to help here and there, but she's the one that chooses everything, the color, everything in the house. Excellent. Happy wife
0: is a happy Mm -hmm. life. Very good. Um, Ellie, Mm -hmm. you know, one of the things I've been keeping very busy, it's been keeping me entertained, uh, has been the new seasons of Poker After Dark and High Stakes Poker. Uh, Are you just sitting back and you're just kind of enjoying it like entertainment, or when you watch it, is it really like, Studying and, and homework and, and taking notes on these guys because you know you're going to face them at some point.
1: Okay. Let me tell the audience first. To I was invited to those shows, especially to the high stakes, because Mori ideas was I want to get the old school. I want to get the Doyle Bronson, the Sammy Far, the Eli Daniel Nagano. It's so important for the you know for the shape of the show. To show this this show is the ultimate. And of course, I've been known because the iceX Poker. But because the Corona, I said no. And um, I I haven't watched them by the way. I oh. I like to usually save all those shows and watch them in two or three days, everything. So I heard that we coming into I believe like almost the end of it. I don't know. Every week you have one. So right. I have enough to watch and I'm probably going to start watching this week. And yes, let me answer yes to what you answer, what you asked me. Before, during the seventh season, I played six season of them in, in high six poker. Right. Uh, I did watch and make a lot of notes hmm. and basically it was homework for me because... I mean, if you remember, I play. We play for tens of thousands of dollars, yeah. and That's sometimes more. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes more, and and it was important for me to see the move of the semi-faha or Daniel Nagrano, or if it was Gas or Phil Ivy, or mostly semi-faha. I remember watching. I mean, um, Tom Duane. Tom mm-hmm. Duane, make me talk to myself. I mean, during the show and after the show, I always wanted to know what he had. And he's so talented, you know, he's just amazingly uh, good. And I remember that me and Doyle were sitting in a breaks and we were talking about him. and We were wondering what the heck we don't, I mean, did he discover a new poker? What is he doing? <laughs> and... Uh, that's the reason I've been watching right. the, the runs and I try to see if I can pick up some stuff on him. So I can tell you, I picked some stuff on Sammy Farhind, but I couldn't do anything with the Tom, with his uh, stare, with the, he's just too good. And uh, I guess I've been, some of the rumor he was doing very well in this Ice Tech Poker. So I will watch some of those. You know, it's part of the business basically, I right. know. In the near future or late future, I will watch it. Nice. I mean, I will play. So if I'm going to play, it's good to know, good to run some head, hands in your heads and to try to see if you get the same situation in a game that you'll be in. Sure. And
0: then
1: no, I'll the say... And by the way, no, no. I, was invite, I was invited. The Mori told me we're going to film Ice Takes for the next season, probably in the next couple of months, maybe May, okay. maybe June. And uh, the biggest things I can tell everybody, some of that's going to be the old school. It'll nice. be all of the all of us old school, and I'm talking the people that play the sixth season, uh-huh. we play. And we let Gabe Kaplan laugh at our faces how old we got. <laughs> We're talking about 20 years passed by so Gabe will be able to make some jokes on our looks. Oh, it's good stuff. And I'll tell
0: you as someone who's <laughs> watched uh, season eight, uh, you know, it's certainly, it, not just it hasn't been disappointing, it's certainly lived up to and even exceeded expectations. And I'm sure you're wow. gonna enjoy it when you watch those episodes. Tom Duan definitely pays a, a big role. I won't reveal too much, but uh, that's how you can <laughs> find that on Poker Go, everyone. It's good stuff. Um, well, Ellie, you know, talking about studying and taking notes and over the last few years, so many poker players—they've started studying. They you know they get in the lab and and they do so much. They put so much time and effort to mastering no limit hold'em. And it's so many people are saying, "Well, you know, the game is just becoming solved almost." And to me, you know, someone who enjoys you know mixed games, not just hold'em, all of that time and effort—it seems a lot harder than just you know, let's do something else. Let's pivot. Let's let's give mixed games a try. And those certainly haven't been solved. You know, okay, so a few people are playing PLO, you know, pot limit Omaha. But of course, you are a major mixed games aficionado and, and lover. You know, you're always the mixed game the You've won your bracelets in mixed games. Why do you think that mixed games haven't become more popular? Maybe it's just, uh, you know, it's too early. It's just a matter of time till the mixed game boom.
1: Well, I have two answers for that. First of all, we, we let's concentrate on the no limit I believe that only in the five years, last five years, I I heard, like, I'm like Dole, I'm old school, I heard the word solve, you know, the game being solved, and I remember having conversation with Dole about it, and yes, now when I see, when I saw the Doug, Doug and Daniel match, and, and you know, I, I'm an admirer of Daniel, I was listening to some of Daniel, uh, you know, blog that he have, and I was following him and all the stuff that he do for poker. And Daniel, for me, is one of the best ambassadors out there. And to see that he got embarrassed or call it embarrassed or lose whatever to, to Doug, and to see so many people betting on Doug, in a way, it looks like, you know, why? I mean, Daniel is an old school. Daniel... Wrote a book. Daniel been study and he teach so many people. And I guess it's stuff that I don't know. And uh, if you ask me tomorrow, I will be back. I'm playing no limit, but I'm playing it on a on my mixed game. It's one of ten games or on my uh, on uh, if we do uh, one game only, it'll be only on the shows. I'm playing poker after dark also very soon, and I takes poker. Once in a while, like what I wrote on my book, that if somebody walk to Bobby's room, and he he will come and said, "Oh, I recognize you guys. I want to play the game you play." Then we get rid of the and I'll play no limit only if it's the right game and it's the right player. But uh, other than that, uh, I will keep playing the tournament for sure. Mostly the World Series of Poker, so I can play there some of the small one, but mostly the 10K event. And with this, I'm, I usually approach it by saying I'm not a big dog. I'm mm-hmm. going in because I know I can win it. But to play one game only or to play heads up the way Daniel play or to do, I will not do it because mm-hmm. I just don't don't want to play a game that I know that uh, my chances is 20-30% versus sure. my opponent.
0: Sure.
1: And, and those people that solve it is i can't even explain it i mean obviously i try to understand the gto and i try to understand everything else but no i mean the the second part of your question the mixed games uh, I remember barry greenstone wrote on his book and then on every every tv and he used to say if you really want to develop yourself as a player you play the no limit game but then you come and show that you are like the Phil Ivy and Daniel and you, play, you know how to play the mixed game. And he, he used to be one of uh, the original ambassadors for mixed games. Me and you love the mixed games. Not only because, first of all, we don't sit with the glasses and with the hoodie. We're having fun. I'm watching you all the time with all your picture you put on Twitter with your friends. And it doesn't matter if you play the Shekel to Shekel or the... Uh, $300, $600 or 2000 and 4000 Mixed game definitely got a lot more depth into it, a lot more uh, in the game, a lot of missing bets or not missing bets. I mean, Doyle Bronson, in the biggest um, uh, tweets that he gets, people that keep uh, challenging him, he said, guys, put four Raz in a game, all the ras game, and I'll play anybody in the world for any amount he want." Right. And why? Because I know has. I play Raz. I play Raz, not probably not as good. And I, I'm saying certain games, you cannot uh, say that your opponent is so much better than you. But in some of the mixed <laughs> games, I definitely can tell you that they wrote a lot of books about them. They have some stuff. But if you don't master it from inside, it's very, very hard to, to, to get better on that. And not only that, I love it. It gave me that adrenaline. And uh, I mean, I'm really looking forward for game, from game to game. I mean, the idea of going out there and you can have a drink and you can even sit down and eat and you can, everything else. I mean, look what's happening in the World Series of Poker. World Series of Poker used to be 30 event, 25 event. I remember the old Osho. show. Uh, going up 50, 60. And last year, I don't even know how much was it, 70, 80? 80, 80 or more. Yeah, the 80, 89,
0: 85.
1: Yeah. And I would say from probably 40% of it would be no limit. Yeah. And the rest of it would be, it's the mixed games. And sometimes when we say mix, of course, we get the old school start that I love. And we get the all vari- variation of the no limit deuce and deuce to seven. And those are the games that i don't care who do i sit with <coughs> excuse me i believe i can beat him and i know you too and i know you play a couple of the world series and you will play in the future and it's fun yeah it's fun i mean uh, so yes i would still be and for the future i'll try to teach people how to play mix good
0: stuff i like that answer <laughs> speaks to me um well you mentioned uh the book and i guess it's time to mention the book you know here it is everyone was watching it's uh, Ellie's autobiography. It's called Pulling the Trigger. It was released in January, 2019. I actually translated it from the original Hebrew book into English. So uh, I know Ellie and his life story very well. Um, Ellie, of course, the books talks about your early days, uh, growing up in Israel, you live in Jerusalem until you finished your army service uh, in your early 20s. And of course, you've been in the United States for well over 30 years now.
1: How often do you still think about Israel and come back to visit? Well, you know, they said when you start dreaming in English, not in Hebrew, you become a... So I start dreaming in English, I think, because <laughs> I, when I left Israel, I was 22. Mm. And that was after uh, serving four, Israeli, four years in the Israeli army, the idea. I um, still consider myself, I have a double citizenship. I still consider myself, uh, you know, when they interviewed me a few times, so I said, Eli Elezard, Jerusalem, Israel. But I'm more Vegas guy now. Uh And uh, I love Vegas. And uh, I'm not like a lot of those Jewish people saying I'm going to be buried in in the Holy Land. No, I'm going to be buried right here in Vegas. Mm -hmm. I established a wonderful family with five kids and a wife in in Vegas. And um, I... Going often when, before the pandemic, at least once a year I went to Israel, still a lot of friends and family over there. But uh, overall, I believe that my roots being Israeli helped me to become who I am now. And uh, I wouldn't change anything of my life the way that it's working right now. I would keep it the same way.
0: Very nice. I mean,
1: is there something you miss,
0: though? Like you ever would sort of wish, oh, I wish I could have the the hummus from Abu Ghosh or something (laughs) like
1: that. Well, I do it. When I go there, maybe sometime once every two years. Uh But yeah, when I go there, I never eat Italian food in Israel. (laughs) (laughs) I go there and I always, of course, taking advantage of it. Uh, My mom lives in Vegas now, so she cooked me our food. But Uh for all this falafel and all those good stuff, I always miss in Israel. And of course, you know, the roots stay in your roots. So you're going back to your, your neighborhood and uh, it's also small compared mm. to where we're living right now. Right. And uh, I mean, I mean, my life took turn after, uh, and, and I mentioned it in the book, uh, born in a small neighborhood in Israel and growing up and getting to the army. And then after that, uh, Alaska, everything changed the moment i left israel mm-hmm. big time and one thing led to another and i ended up over here and it's beautiful
0: right so you mentioned alaska that is actually my next question and you had you got to alaska after the army you had your your adventure uh, and you weren't just you know vacationing and, and walking on glaciers you were working really really hard uh, you know pursuing the american dream you were working at a, at a cannery and then as a taxi driver uh, and you weren't in like Anchorage or Judah. You weren't in a big city. You were like out in the middle of, of nowhere in a town called Kotzebue. Uh, how long did you live there? And what was your day-to-day life like back then? As I
1: said, in 1983, there was the Lebanon War. Mm-hmm. And I was an officer in Israel, in the Golani. And and they, I remember that right in when we did, you know, in Golani, one of our officers was he released and then he came to visit us and he said, oh, I went to work in Alaska and I made $8,000 a month in a cannery." And, and I remember that, I remember this conversation and then during the the Lebanon war, the first Lebanon war, I got injured in, a, in, a, in the army and uh, that gave me enough time to think and I said, by the time my leg will be good, I'm going to be released. I'll go walk, make some money and come back to Israel. Right. Maybe come back to the army. But one thing led to another and I got there and I got there in a the wrong time. The canary wasn't open yet because everything was frozen. So I find another place which you mentioned. I study English as a second language in Anchorage. And then over there I met someone that introduced me to Katzebue. He showed me some slides and I loved it. And not only that... Katibu was only 3,000 people, mostly native. There was also a lot of people that uh, uh, that, uh, a lot of nature over there. Uh The nature, and I love the idea of nature. I saw they hunting whales and caribou and moose. So it was very easy for me. He introduced me to the guy. I went over there, and uh, okay, sorry. I went over there. That's <laughs> my mom walking in. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> tell, him to, tell him to keep quiet. It's okay. <laughs> so uh, I went over there, and it was exactly what I thought. It was hunting, and then I started driving taxi in a small town named Katzebue. And because I remember numbers, I remember as a driver, if you tell me name, I tell you his house number. If you tell me his house number, I tell you his name. Wow. It was so fast for me. And I made more money than what I thought I can, and then so overall I live in Alaska for about four years, mm. and I go in between. I went to some uh, uh, far east. I, I actually put a backpack on me, and I went to the far east and I travel and I uh, enjoy myself for about a year, and then I came back to Katzebue instead of going back to Israel. But uh, yeah, Katzebue, Alaska, was also. People read my book over there. A couple of the taxi drivers told me that they have a weekend poker session. So I I went to one of those and I basically fell in love because the very first time I ever got introduced to stud, to Omaha, to the rest of the game was right there. I remember one of the guys, one of the natives teach me, said, oh, poker is not only no limit they right. put a pot limit on mine stuff. And after the first, second time that we used to play only six to eight hours, the session after that becomes so long. We played two days, a day and a half, and three days. And I made money. All of a sudden, I realized, wow, there's something I'm doing good. So, yeah, that was the beginning of the mixed game in Alaska.
0: I love how you say uh, we played sessions only six to eight hours long. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, have yeah. you been back to Alaska to visit, like on a cruise
1: or something, since you left? Yes, I did. I went back to my, to the Katzebue. I went there a couple of times. And then I also did a cruise, a poker, Alaska cruise. Nice. But uh, that was only the beginning, I would say, right in the 80s, maybe beginning of 90s. Since then, no. I mean, I've been here all the time and uh, there's uh, right now. I don't look. There's no reason for me right now to look other than traveling and enjoying myself.
0: Nice. Or well, maybe someday uh, I'd like to go. Well, to you know,
1: there's yeah. a lot of places that in the world
0: you need to explore. Yes. So yes. exactly. So so, Ellie, we said in the introduction. Of course, you know, you've done. Uh, tremendous work in tournaments. You're mostly known as a cash game player. Uh, and yes, as you said, you know, usually during the, the summer months of the year, you're very busy tournaments of the WSOP. Uh, you've won four bracelets. And I think this is always the most interesting part. Three of those four bracelets came in your 50s after you turned 50 years old. And I did a little research. Only three players have won more bracelets than uh than you after turning 50 years old. It's Doyle, Johnny Moss, and Barry Johnston, actually. All of them won four or more uh after they turned wow, 50. This, years is
1: very, this is this is you researched. it. And I didn't know I didn't know about it until you told me last, I think when I won my last start bracelet, you told me that. And yes, I mean I'm very proud to be with this company. Yeah. Change, don't, but don't, this is this legend for me, you know? Yeah. Wow, that's, the, so that's good. Well, and very, I, few people can even
0: say, very few people can even say that they've won four. But again, to say that you've won three after the age of 50, I think that's tremendous. Um, and as you mentioned, you're 60 years old now. You just turned 60. Um, I know that there's plenty of people watching or listening to the Cards Chat podcast here who are also 50 years or older. They're playing in the WSOP Seniors event. How do you manage so successfully to compete with the younger players? What is the key? And you saying only six to eight hour sessions. What is the key to maintaining that sort of stamina and sitting for so many hours at the
1: tables? That's an amazing question. I, uh, I did feel it. I mean, sometimes during my high, high uh, when I was playing very high in Bobby's room, you know, with the I remember looking in my body I lost weight lately, you know, I started doing some exercise, but back then I used to eat the lobster and the steak after midnight and I used to do everything a poker player not supposed to do, you know, <laughs> basically never take care about myself. Mm. And I start feeling it. I mean, I remember looking at Gus Hanson and Phil Ivey, mean, they were in top shape. I mean, I remember Phil have his own personal trainer and uh, and Daniel was in top shape. And I said to myself, there's no reason for me after seven, eight hours to don't play my, you know, A game the way Chip used to say. Mm-hmm. And I did not. I, I used to lose money because I was, my body didn't give it to me. And then, so the very first things I did is try to not eat late in a table, so because they always tell you that in tournament too, when you have the dinner break after the main event, after, don't eat too heavy because it's going to affect your game. And it does. If somebody told me it's not, it's really bullshit. Excuse me. It's, it does. It affects your game because you get, you're full, you're tired, and you don't think correctly. Keeping up with all those young kids is because I'm playing my mixed games. And I think that I have advantage of them play with me one game, the PLO and stuff, they'll be better. Play with me those eight games, I will be, I will have my edge on either Deuce to seven or non this or whatever. I'll have, and if he, even you have the 5% edge, even the guy missed a bet on the river when right. he made the second pair, even the guy, those are huge. People don't understand because this 5% edge in each game add up to be so much and add up the end of the week, the end of the month, the end of the year, for you to be a winner and not loser. Yeah. And, yeah, that's what I need That's what I need to do. Keep my body, you know, functioning, keep doing sport, and then keep studying. I love watching the shows. To tell you that I'm a big reader, probably not. I'm not a big reader on books. I wrote the very first book I read was a Barry Grinson book because it was less poker and more than, And then I, I read Lyle's book, and then I read uh, maybe one of Sklansky books. But then Doyle, in one of his sessions, came and hand me the, his famous book. Uh, Super System, right. Super System, And I took it, and I didn't look at it. I said, thank you, Doyle. When I get home, I see what he wrote over there. He said to my best friend, Ellie, Elezra, I don't think you should read this book in my ruin your game. <laughs> so I remember that's the first time he basically let me know I'm doing a little st- some stuff a little different than other people. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference that those people that listening need to understand in solving with the GTO, the, the no limit, and the, the no limit hold them is way different than the mixed games. Mm-hmm. Because the no limit hold them, yes, you read more and you study more and you do whatever uh, the duck pick people do, yes, you're definitely gonna be better. In our game, if you're gonna watch a lot, watch people trying to read faces, I think you'll be able to do good you know, in our games.
0: Even after age 50, that's good stuff. Um, and of course, take care of your body, it's important. Um, but one of the things that being a successful professional poker player allows you to do is travel the world. And of course, play in all these prestigious poker tournaments all over the world. Um, what are some of your favorite places that you visited? And uh, maybe you
1: can tell us why. Okay, The best place, I mean, the most amazing things that I tell people, what poker did to me in my life was basically to see the world. Mm. It's amazing. After I won the 2004, the Mirage Mirage Poker Showdown, I remember I have so many people contact me from casinos all over Europe. And if it's Aruba, and if, if, if it's a, in Australia, and if it, and I was traveling. Mm-hmm. Basically, after you win WPT, you're thinking World Poker Tour, oh, I can do it again. You think that you can be basically untouchable. But it was fun. So I, I think that if I have to guess three, four years, five years after that, I was traveling a lot, playing a lot of tournaments until I realized, what do I do? If I get knocked out, and yes, you get knocked out a lot of time in the first day, then what do you do all those other days? You need to wait or whatever. And none of all those places, the cash game for me to uh, stay and move around. Right. So, you know, in the Bahamas, you do have always enough people and enough cash game. But I would say 70-80% of the places, if it's Europe or whatever. No, in Australia in Melbourne, we Uh, didn't have cash game. So slowly, slowly, I gave up on tournament. And I narrowed it down to only Las Vegas, maybe Los Angeles tournament. And favorite place by far was Melbourne, Australia. Mm. I mean, over there, uh, it was just... I love the people. I love the Australian people. We have the tennis matches going together, the Australian Open. So oh, nice. some, Yeah, so we saw some of our favorite players. And we went every poker tournament. I saw at least three or four matches before the final. Usually we were watching. And on top of it, we have cash game. So, you know, some of the sick people like me used to finish the session by eight or 10 o'clock at, at Marble and then jump into a, to a cash game because what else you have to do? Go sleep, you know? Right. But yeah, I've done it with full tilt, I think uh, two years in a row and I just love, love wow. the people. I'll definitely go back. And of course we went to see kangaroos and penguins and everything else. <laughs> and we went from New Zealand from there and oh yeah, this, in my memory, it's one of the best places to play poker.
0: Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. I hope I get to go and, and, and do that someday. Maybe not uh, center court during the finals of the Australian Open, but you know <laughs> that sounds good. Just to be there sounds like a lot of fun. Um, well, during the 80s and 90s, one of the things that, that made your reputation as a poker legend uh, or helped do that was that you sat with fellow legends, with Doyle Brunson and with the late Chip Reese, uh, two of your very good friends. Uh, and you played with them three-handed and you didn't just play with Nellie, you won. And that's a, a gigantic thing. And I know you've long said that you enjoy and you feel that you're better and even have a little bit of an advantage playing short-handed games than
1: full ring games. Why is that? I mean, it's, it's amazing. I really, until today, You put me in a full game, I would tell you that I definitely adjust myself and I'm better in a full game. But I don't know, I just love the three and four-handed. And yes, during the Chip and Doyle era, I learned so much by watching those two legends. Chip was just one, one level above everybody. And yes, I mean, I learned all my games there. And for some reason, I knew how to bring my aggression into the shorthanded game, and I, I made a lot of money back then. Maybe that's what uh, messed up my head, because <laughs> after that, I figured, oh, if I won with Chip and Doyle, I'll do good. And then every time we play the full game, and, uh, and then I play with Daniel and Phil Live and Gus and Antonio and them, I start real. I mean, I probably did not do the adjustment correctly. Mm. You have to adjust yourself. When you play shorthanded, you play way more hands, and you play full game and I didn't so maybe the seven eight suited looks so so good when you play with the show, the full game also versus a short-handed and uh, he, he came he came to hunt me back because I have a period and I mean I will tell your audience and I'll tell everybody it's not always sweet yeah you don't win all the time yeah after this period of Chip and all me winning, he came. I came crashing and I lost millions of dollars on my two and four and three and 6,000. And basically I couldn't even put myself back together. It took me a long time. And uh, I think that if, I will I'll always said to poker player, if poker player don't get broke at least 10, 20 times, you have no clue what is to, to really enjoy. Because not, it's not always uh, beautiful in winning, winning, winning. There's, that's the reason I just said at the beginning of the show. You counting the money, the end of the month, sometimes the end of the year. That's the most important. But you have your days. It doesn't matter how good you come, how good you play. Your aces will be beat, and your your uh, four card perfect Omar will be beat. beat. But you have to take it. And those days, I one of my biggest quality. I can come home. And my wife wouldn't know if I win or lose that day. I just, I, because for me, I took it as a business now. Right. Which is the business. And that's it. I'm not, I'm not really, I don't want everybody to know how do I do in a game, you know? Uh-huh. Oh. So yeah, Chip and do teach me so much. And uh, short-handed still to this day is my favorite. Interesting. Well, I, I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I got to hear. I've heard so many, but
0: I'm sure there's something there for another Chip and Doyle story. Besides playing with them uh, in Las Vegas for all of those, you know, those legendary sessions, you also hit the road with them and you played poker with them in other locations, right. too. Um, not the locations, but maybe you have a, a fun story of what it was like to travel with them uh, on the road to play poker.
1: Well, uh, first of all, Chip and Dole are very professional. They took me from the beginning as a business. And I remember telling the people, they realized this is a guy that fell in love with poker. He's a businessman, and he definitely can be very addition, good addition for us. Even to today, some of those people that run private game, I don't know if you do that, but they say, <laughs> they call you and say, oh, I got this, and this guy in the game. You better come. He's a fish. He's a... You know, in Israel, you say he's a keves, sheep. But uh, I was the Venet, definitely the drawing back then. Mm. I think after about two years, you know, we, we moved together from the Mirage to Balazzo. And in Balazzo, immediately I started playing the one in 2000 with them. But we become friends. So they invite me for those Christmas party after that. And then mm. we went to a couple of the shows together. And then I remember the very first tournament, I think I went with them to Foxwood. Mm -hmm. I went with Chip and Don to Foxwood and uh, over there we play our own game. They always give us there, And then we play the tournament Mm -hmm. and then some new faces when we get there. But I start really learning who's those people in front of me. They have their name amazing. Everybody, every place we get, you know, they will uh, come and they try signature and pictures and everything. And uh, yeah, so we drive to Foxwood, we stay together, we eat together. I can tell you that uh, one of the stories that I have about Doyle in Foxwood, that's the very first time I see that, was um, some nice, I would say, old lady came and uh, asked Doyle for a signature and a photo, and Doyle was losing. And she kicked me under the table, and (laughs) Doyle turned around and said, I don't want to give any picture, and and he let her go. I mean, in my opinion, it's kind of hurt me <laughs> because those days, this is my sport. I'm My sport is poker. And I'm watching, I mean, Phil will probably less, but Gus Hanson and Daniel Legano, those people are the best ambassador. I mean, the late uh, Saxton. Everybody that come, they come, they take the picture, they explain you, they talk to you. And yes, I do the same thing. I always, I don't care how bad I'm, I'll give the picture. I want my more people to play in poker because there's a lot more. Our field needs to be developed a lot more. Another one is uh, we went to Tunica. Mm. So now, this is the first time I fly private. Oh, cheap nice. She got a private plane and I fly. And one, that was in my top when I was playing for thousand And So we were me and Doyle and Lyle and Cheap and... Uh, uh, I think Jason, Chow. We get we fly private, everything beautiful. We we get to our game. The tournament is only in like two days, mm. so we start our game. And I took my first biggest loss over there. Uh, I was losing, I think, five hundred thousand. And now I play so so long, and I'm tired. So. Chip said, "Oh, okay, so we'll, what we're doing? we doing?" And I didn't know how to even get up from the table. <laughs> so tomorrow we already play like sixteen hours. So he said, "You know, tomorrow morning we the tournament at noon." Wow. And then we were like two a.m. I said, "I'm not playing tournament. I need to win it to break even," you know. <laughs> but I, I mean, those guys, I learned about them so much when I, you know, I flew with Chip by myself to Reno to play a tournament, and uh, I, I mean, I knew about. Chip's kids and Dolan kids and everybody, their life, all what Dolan went through his life on his health. And yeah, I mean, at the beginning I was part of business, but in the end we become friends and me and Chip, I mean, Dolan's friends to this day and still talking about Chip when we're talking in our conversation. I love it. That's beautiful.
0: That's it's. Lo- I love and I also have this with my home game buddies as well. Not not for the same stakes, but when you just sit at the table for so many years, so many sessions with the same people, they really do become your friends. Uh, and I'm sure that's something that resonates with our audience as well. Well, um, you
1: even saw that in the last uh, All of Fame uh, nomination. Dol wrote something very nice on the Twitter. I know you didn't vote for me yourself, but I know. Do- <laughs> I know you'd vote for Money which is deserved deserve to be there but i love the tweet from Doyle when he wrote i'm not going to tell you who i'm voting for hall of fame but he was born in israel right <laughs> <laughs> so right. i after that i remember texting him and calling him and said thank you Dole. that's very nice for, for
0: sure and uh not i did not have a vote this year by the way uh, only uh, only hall of famers had a vote this year but last oh, time i was okay. eligible i did uh Split it, you you were the beneficiary along with Chris of some of my votes. Um, just, um, I've got a, two more questions of my own, Ellie, and then we move to the other segment of the show, oh, okay. where we take uh questions from the cards chat forum community members. So, just uh, to wrap up my own questions here, I'm actually pretty curious. I was like, oh, that's a good question because I don't actually know the answer. Is is I, Ellie, you've been living in Vegas, so you're, you've planted roots there, that's your life besides having poker available to you 24 7 what else do you love the most
1: about living in las vegas wow first of all living in vegas is almost like jerusalem for christian people <laughs> so, you know you want before you die you want to go to jerusalem one sure. day. And i know some muslim too and i know so vegas is the mecca of the gambling world and Anyone that consider himself a person with money or wanted traveling, and not necessarily money because Vegas become a family-oriented business. So now you have so many people that you meet throughout your life coming to Vegas. Hmm. So, of course, we have the best shows in the world. We have the best chefs in the world. We have the best restaurant in the world. And if you go and you read about it, you can eat every day. (coughs) Excuse me. Every day of the year, in a different gourmet restaurant, and don't eat in the same restaurant once. Right, right. So that's enough to explain to you. I love eating. And <laughs> I love, I love meeting people, and I love being with people. So I'm still very nice, you know, hostess. If somebody come and visit, I like to go eat with them and go. And more more than that, in the last five years, I have some friends from the Seirat Golani that I was with they came and visit me in Vegas. And I think we have some program on that on the on Israeli TV when they came and meet me on King David over there. So they came and visit me and we basically took three days camping and we went to Zion National Park and we went to Bryce National, National Park. They go to Grand Canyon and, you know, so there's some stuff around us from Death Valley for over there and stuff. And uh, yes, I, I like to do some walking with them. Um why I don't think that, you know, can, Vegas can feel your day beautiful. And after I do my yearly trip, if I go to Greece when I get to Israel or if I go to whatever, that's uh, pretty much full time when you know that I'm sick and I'm playing so much poker anyway. So I need to sleep sometime. <laughs> of course. <laughs> As you, you told me once, Robbie, you sleep when you
0: get on the plane, right? That's what you let... Yeah, for you, (laughs) absolutely. People come to Vegas, they have to do it, yeah. Uh, My last question for you, Ellie, is uh, besides play poker, what is one thing that you just can't wait to finally do again once you get out there after you've gotten your full uh, immunization from the
1: vaccine? Go out there, hug my mom, hug my dad, and uh, be able to, you know, I'm a hugging person. I like to hug people. I like to kiss people. I like to, so I want. I, I like to sit in dinner together. I like to be able to do some stuff, not necessarily with a mask all the time. I love to go travel again. You know, I mean, I, cruise probably will be out of the question for a while you now. Everybody gets good but I love it when you are non stop in a, you know, in other person life and being in a cruise and there's so many places in the world I haven't been. Yes, I like to do a lot of those hiking and stuff like this, definitely. Beautiful.
0: Well, I hope that uh, that time comes very quickly, not just for you, but for for all of us. Well, now it's time uh, for the second segment of the show. This is where we turn to you, everyone who's listening and watching our Cards Chat community to see what questions that you wanted to ask our guests. And again, we do have a dedicated thread on the Cards Chat forums for this, where we announce, oh, we've got this guest coming up. What questions would you like? And uh, thankfully we always have uh, some wonderful forum members who submit some great questions. So uh, we've got quite a few here. We'll try to get through as many as we can. Our first questions, come from acid burn fx thank you very much for submitting these what causes you
1: stress in your life ellie uh, <laughs> wow <laughs> poker definitely costs you really yes yeah, so i mean when you play so many hours in the world series of poker you remember i told you that that uh, i go at starting the tournament at 10 get knocked out of the first one and start the second one at 5. Mm-hmm. Play until 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. make second day. Usually I make second day on my job. Go to Aria and play cash game until 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. <laughs> Wake up and need to, to, to start the whole thing again mm-hmm. and do it for like two months straight. If Somebody tells you it's not putting stress on your body, or on your <laughs> mind, lying. But you need to know how to adjust yourself. So... Yeah, that's stress. And of course, you know, if something, your family member or somebody around you don't feel well or don't succeed in something or your kids that in college now, you know, those are definitely stress and those are the most important in life that's coming before poker and of before anything else. Of course. Uh, second question from Acid
0: Burn FX: If there's something that you couldn't fail at and fear was not a factor, what would you do?
1: Wow. Jump from planes again? <laughs> oh, because you used to do that. I did, yeah. And, you, and you're afraid to do that now? Yeah. my uh-huh. year, I got too many family members depending on me. <laughs> you know, but my youngest brother does it. Uh-huh. My youngest brother is still jumping from planes. That's one of his hobbies. Wow. But the stuff that I feared, I mean... I, I, I don't know if uh, there's so many people things on my list that I feel uh-huh. those days. My wife?
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I think that's fine. We no, don't go with no, jumping kidding. out of the plane. That's fine. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> here's our next uh, forum member who submitted questions, Frazzle1991. Thank you. Uh, Ellie, you already mentioned that uh, you tend to make day two of the tournaments uh, so Frazzle1991 asks, what causes you not to make it in the money if you don't make it in the money? Obviously, besides just variance, what, what's something that could be a pitfall for you?
1: Well, I guess uh, Frazzle is 31 years old because he's 1991. <laughs> so, you know, you have to, people have to understand once you get close, you make the second day. Usually in the second day, if I'm not mistaking, most of that, the average is about the dinner break on the second day, you make the money on most of my event. And the, the, probably the main event will be the third day. Right. But uh, but uh, a lot of people approaching it differently. And I approach it completely different than others. I know some people said, yeah, but you finally make it. So you have to cash I don't want to take the twenty-five hundred dollars or twenty-six hundred or eighteen hundred, and there's a I mean the way that World Series is poker stretcher those days, and they pay the ten percent and all sure. this. It's just almost insulting to be in the money and to get in the money to get your money back, basically. Right. They give you your money back for an additional fifty percent of what you invested. So I actually take this, take advantage. I learned this from Daniel, I learned it from the great Phil Ivy. When they get close to the bubble, they play the different game. So I don't play to survive. I just play if I can see situation, if it's no limit or anything else or start. When I see people scared and yes, there's people play scared money. This is the biggest things I can tell the, the audience. Do not go with your last bank do not play scared money because once you do that, your mind is completely, it's a dif- different mindset. So. Getting to the second day, let's say 50 out of the money, I'm playing completely different, I'm more aggressive and I'm not worried about getting knocked out. Yes, I did get knocked out because this approach, but if I didn't, I build enough bankroll to make it way deep and to make good price pool. Exactly. And you also alluded to it, you didn't know this is a
0: second question, but it says, what is one of your best uh, early tournament strategies and I think you kind of already gave one. Don't play with your last few pennies from your bankroll. Very good. Um, we've yeah. got one here from Red Gnome. Thank you very much, Red Gnome, for submitting this question. Uh, You've mentioned his name a couple times uh, during the show, Ellie. How and when
1: did you first get acquainted with Barry Greenstein? Barry is, a, I would say it before, the Robin Hood, those days Robin Hood. <laughs> but he's the, definitely the Robin Hood, he's, a, he's an amazing person, very, very, very intellectual. He's a, when I, I met him the very first time, he was in a game, and him and Phil Ivy were very close friends already, you know. And matter of fact, Barry he came and introduced himself, and we were playing some games together. the beginning, was like eight sixteen and 1-2-thousand. in 2000. And then every time after that, uh, I think we played the poker superstars together when Todd Bronson played and everybody else. And I kind of follow and I kind of took Barry every time on the side during the poker superstar sometimes. And I asked him questions mm. because I knew that Barry got so much experience. And to these days, I love Barry, even though he's not playing in a high limit the way that he's uh, hoping to. Some of us don't miss it so much, you know. Like I used to play the four and eight thousand, and I play now two in four hundred and four and eight. It's not the end of the world, you know why? And Barry, even the one, the first one to tell you, when you play the high competition, you get usually the very best player in the world. When you play lower game, adventure, adventure against them in the, a the game. So, yeah, he was one of the guys that to this day that it's very easy to play and, and love to call him as a friend, you know. Lovely, wonderful. Um,
0: we've got two more people who submitted questions for you, Ellie, one is Crystals. Thank you very much, Crystals. Uh, a few questions here, and I don't know if we can do all of them, but um, two, she says two of your WSOP bracelets were in seven card stud. Uh, given how much this has dropped off in popularity, do you ever see this variant, seven-card stud,
1: dying off? Oh, amazing question. As long as I'm playing and I'm playing the mix game, this game is going to be in my mix. I don't know what you do, Robbie. <laughs> I love seven-card stud. people, card people know that. They, if they want to play with me, the stud have to be there. And if it's either stud, stud, eight or better, high or regular. Now, Crystal, what things that I tell everybody is, Old school people like to consider themselves people with good memory. People with good memory can play and remember cards that come outside and remember which is the most important things instead. I don't think he'll die among the, uh, the old school people. I think that he might not even touch some of those young people that we see playing the high roller. But even them that I see those days, starting playing the 50,000 championship games, you know, in World Series of America, they definitely learn how to play stud. Right. I definitely think I'm better than them on these games. But uh, let me tell you, Crystal, something that is very funny. I'm sitting with people and people all the time talking about memories from the childhood. Right. So some people remember themselves when they were 10, 15, uh, 22, and they remember things that happened like yesterday. And when they asked me, I said, God, I don't remember. I decided I know why. <laughs> you know why? I, the, the brain of the perp, the, the human be, got enough memory uh, storage. Right. I can empty it to remember what cards coming outside of the stud. <laughs> so if you sit with him in the stud session, I can, and you ask me like a, uh, Ten hand later about certain hand, I will tell you, you have the King of Diamond, you have the Jacket Club, you have the five of heart, and you he have the and why? I don't know. I remember it, and you know why? Because that's make me money. Remember right. what I eat when I was 22, or where did I go when I was 15? It's not making <laughs> me money those days.
0: I love that <laughs> answer. That's a great answer, and I guess there's still hope because eventually the young players of today will become old school themselves, and maybe they'll still be playing seven card stud as well. Um, one more. Do you <laughs> have stud in your game, by the way? You Absolutely, and I'll tell you. Just I'll, I'll give this away here. Uh, in my home game, when I call seven-card stud, eight, I have to say the whole name because everyone always asks me, which one, which? I say seven-card stud, eight or better, high, low. That's what I always say. So the whole thing. I love it. Right? So they started nicknaming it Robbie number one. They call it it's Robbie's game. <laughs> doesn't mean I always <laughs> win in the game, but I like calling this, the game during our dealer's choice. Okay,
1: so, so let's tell your wife right now, this year you're coming to play in World Series of Poker, the seven-card stud, the one that I won. The 2000 one, the $1,500 one. Well, one day, maybe one day we'll play each other
0: heads up for the bracelet, Ellie, and then we'll see. <laughs> and then we'll see. Well, thank you. Um, our final uh, forum member to submit questions here is Shells. Shells has always been really great over the last many episodes and submitting questions. So thank you very much, Shells. Um,
1: Ellie, do any other members of your family play poker? Oh, that's a very good question because I've been asked by my doctor that I'm working with him. How? Oh. No, none of them. That's amazing. My, Well, actually, sorry, sorry. My wife started playing in the last four or five years. Okay. Because we've been going to poker a lot, and then she started learning how to play limit hold'em, and she loved it. Balazs, you mostly a limit hold'em, so she play a small game, 40, 80, or 81. It's not a big game, but right. it's small, and she having so much fun with it. Because let's say when I'm playing, she play her own game and we going to Bellagio together and coming back together. But uh, that's only in the last four years. The, none of my kids, have, like the oldest boy, the youngest one, Maya and Ryan, can uh, Ryan understand and see me playing online and he really, I can tell that he can be a good player. Maya just starting because she's 19, but uh, she's not playing, obviously. But right. the oldest one never, ever took any interest of playing poker or, um, huh.
0: Interesting. nothing here. Interesting. Um, two more here from Shell's and then we wrap it up. Um, it's funny cause she asked the question here that I remember asking you before. So I'm gonna tweak it a little bit. So the questions that Shell asked here is if you had a movie made about your life who would you choose to portray you? Now, when I asked you that question you told me a while ago that it was gonna be Matt Damon. So my question to you then is, who would you want to portray your wife, Hila, in that movie?
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Did Matt Damon play with Julia Roberts? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, nothing came to my mind. Oh, to, to be, oh, like Mali gameplay. Who, who play Mali's game? That was a Jessica Chastain. Oh, she was good. She yeah. was good in the, in the movie, yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's that's a good a good choice. It's someone that knows all the up and downs in poker.
0: Very nice. I thought you were gonna go
1: with Gal Gadot. I really thought Gal, that's oh, all. Gonna... Yeah, she's she's too pretty to play movies. She need to kill a lot of people on the way. Right. <laughs> 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 and uh, our final question for you,
0: Ellie. You have won multiple WSOP bracelets. You've got your WPT championship. You've sat at all the biggest high stake tables in the world. Is there anything more that you hope to achieve or accomplish in the game of poker?
1: I want to meet more wonderful people, the way I met all over uh, in all these worlds, uh, in all those years in poker. I uh, start playing uh, with a very good friend now. You know, Mark Gregory introduced me to um, uh, Martin and Carol Schaefer, so I start playing a little golf with them. I'm very bad, but they love poker too. And uh, people like that is what causing me to enjoy this game so much and want to play it so much. And you know what? Something else. I did it three times over 50. One time before 50. So now I'm over 60. And I'm taking this stage, guys, that I'm telling you, the stage of Robbie. Robbie for me, it's not only a translator of my book. Robby is my marketing man. Every time I need to ask something, if it's about player of somebody in the industry, Robbie is the best guy for me to do it. Sometimes, you know, my English is still, you he can hear, I still have the accent and everything, and Robbie helping me so much. So I'm using this stage to let you know over 60, another bracelet coming. I don't know if he'll be stud. But yes, I love those things. A lot of people said, are you out of your mind? So many good cash game in Bellagio, in Bobby's room, in Arya, the old Ivy's room. Why are you playing in World Series of Poker in Rio? Rio is so shitty. I said, because I don't know, it's inside me. Only people that make it to final tables and have the feeling that going inside the idea that you want to beat your opponent say, yes, I'm going for the fifth one.
0: I love it. Wonderful. And that's that's a great note on which to end off. Thank you, everyone, for sending in your questions to LELSRA. And of course, another friendly reminder to everyone in the Cards Chat community, we'd love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests. There is a dedicated thread for it on the forums. And please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels, if you'd like the show, and of course, you know I don't usually do this, but you know we've got a book here. If you want to learn even more about Ellie's life and poker career, his autobiography is pulling the trigger, and you can buy the book on Amazon.
1: Uh, Ellie, before we go, anything else you'd like to share? Well, just telling Carl Chad, thank you, thank you for having me, and thank you, thank you very much for doing it for our industry. Thank you because poker player love it, and we need it. Good stuff. Good luck with you. Allie, thank you very much. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode
0: of the Cards Chat podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at CardPlayerLife. And I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast
1: in town from the world's number one poker community.